Welcome to the Dear Job Seeker podcast, a podcast designed to invoke honest thoughts and real conversations. We dive deep into the intricacies of women's career empowerment, sharing lessons learned along the way. Join us for authentic insights and candid conversations as we navigate the paths of career growth and development together. Dear Job Seeker, ever felt the need to do more, be more, or the never-ending pursuit of success? That aroma of ambition and push from society to always be in motion, it feels familiar, doesn't it? Today, I pose two questions. What is it about the endless chase for success that captivates us? And why do we find ourselves engulfed by the relentless drive for achievement, sometimes at the expense of our mental or physical health? This question lies at the heart of our journey with our special guest, Rose. Working in a successful nine to five, Rose later found herself at the center of hustle culture. Her story isn't just about success and failure, it's about lessons learned and the pursuit of balance. So my dear job seekers, join us in unraveling Rose's narrative, a genuine conversation that promises inspiration and insight. The question lingers, inviting you to reflect on your own experiences with hustle culture and how it's motivated your decisions. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode where we lay out our five-step guide to overcoming the urge to join hustle culture. And also check out the show notes for our blog reference and conversation takeaways. Hey, Rose. Hello, Jill. All right, girls. So we are diving into it and I have to let the job seekers know this is a super special episode because this is really my corporate home girl. So I'm really excited that we get to have you on to have this conversation. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, let's get into it. So talk to me about how you would define hustle culture. Oh, my goodness. So hustle culture, I feel as if hustle culture really became prevalent kind of before COVID, right? So I was first introduced to hustle culture by this podcast called Earn Your Leisure, which is pretty Mm -hmm. popular in the African-American community. Um, Or not even African-American, I would say in the Black community, Earn Your Leisure is a very, um, very well-known podcast. And essentially, the way that this podcast started is it was this two group of um, two guys, and they would interview hustlers, like people um, literally earning their leisure, right? So they would work their nine to five and then earn their leisure with all these exciting side hustles. Um, so I was always a super avid fan of that podcast. And then um, I also had a nine to five. I've always had a nine to five. I've always worked in tech even before it became a thing. Um, And I've been really lucky where really since I've been in the tech industry, since I've really graduated from college, I've always made six six figures plus. But one of the things I realized from listening to that podcast was that I could take the money that I was earning from my nine to five and pour that into a hustle and make even more money. Um, So I would say that's really where hustle culture started. And then I feel as if it blew up during COVID. There was fair. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, did you notice? I feel as if it's always been around, but I feel as if it really blew up during COVID. Do you feel the same way? 
Yeah, I felt like everybody was just like, make money. They making millionaires, millionaire, millionaire, millionaire. You're missing your million dollar baby. And I just was like, million, okay. You know, I was like, okay, I'm at six figures now. Is a million, you know, maybe it's not enough, you know? So it was just that COVID was a turning point for me where I started to really get involved with hustle culture outside of my nine to five. Cause we, I feel like we were both in sales. So we were making, we hit the six figures. We could afford the designer. We weren't, you know, we weren't supporting a family. So being that and making that type of money, I felt like I had hit the plateau and I was kind of comfortable in my career. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was work university with Coriel where she was leading black or African-American females you know, into entrepreneurship, women, let me not say females, let me say women. Um, Mm -hmm. But she was leading women into entrepreneurship. And so that was when I really became attracted to it. But so back to your, your turning point. So hustle culture became really attractive to you when you were working in sales. I would say also, would you agree? It was us constantly having to hit monthly goals. So we talked about, you know, being in sales, working in sales was one of the the main points for us becoming attracted to hustle culture, mainly because I feel like every month was it, they treated it like it was a new year. Like they were, it was like, okay, it doesn't matter what you did last month. Like you chasing new money this month. A fresh month. Right. <laughs> and then they would post your number so everybody could see that you were still at zero. Like, it was, oh my God. <laughs> So do you feel like that also contributed to hustle, your desire or your drive to become more of a hustler? Um, so I would say no. I could see why I could see from someone's viewpoint why sales would the struggle of a nine to five, the stress of a nine to five would, would make them want to be motivated to start their own business. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think that's the that's really it right there. I've talked to a few other people that don't work in sales. Some of them are software engineers. Some of them are project managers. Um, some of them are consultants. And it really just became they were tired, burnt out from the grind. And the solution was, hey, let me start my own hustle. Right. I'll have more control. I'll have more freedom. That's really mm-hmm. how the hustle was positioned to us nine to fivers. And so that's what led to your venture of entrepreneurship. Yes. I, I just, it, it also was, I mean, there were a few other things that led to it. I think that at the time, if you remember COVID, everyone, like we had so many of these gurus on social media where it was just like open an LLC and do this and register your business. And it, it was just everywhere you turned, you had everyone coming out with courses. Everyone had a course. Everyone had an academy on how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it just made entrepreneurship seem like such this big thing, such this accomplishment. Um, and so I think I fell, I don't think, I know that I fell into that frenzy. I mean, I know a few other peers as well, where I felt like that nine to five wasn't enough. And for me to be really successful, I needed a hustle. I needed to be an entrepreneur as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about what your entrepreneurship ventures were? Um, so my, my, I've, you know what, I want to say I've had ideas that didn't take off, right? I've had, had ideas that I've maybe tinkered with for a few hours after work. Um, but the biggest venture that I poured a lot of money into a lot of time, a lot of capital, a lot of resources was my trucking company. I decided to open, um, to start a trucking company in 2020, actually, 
um, late 2020, I decided to start a trucking company. And that was my biggest entrepreneurship venture. Can I tell you when I knew you were that girl? When? (laughs) (laughs) We were, I was, you know, I knew that we were very much aligned when I was like looking to see what my next entrepreneurship venture was. And I was looking through like business names on the Georgia, like Secretary of State website. And I looked up something with finance. It was like girl, like the black girl's guide to finance or something. Oh my gosh. Like yes. And you had, I looked and I saw your name registered for the business. I said, mm-hmm. oh, that she needs to be my friend. Cause <laughs> we didn't even talk like that at the time. So I didn't even know that that was something that you were interested in. And so hearing that you, you know, were motivated and you had been, you know, toying with the idea for quite some time and 2020 was that time that you really officially took the leap. What made, what motivated you during that time to make number one, trucking your venture and number two, for you to really invest in that venture? What was the motivation behind it? Oh my gosh, this is the, the, the great crescendo before the great fall. So keep in mind that before I was working a nine to five, but something that I always loved to do was invest. Um, I have been investing since I was in corporate America. So I used to invest like, at one point I was investing 25% of my paychecks into my 401k. So I built a really nice, um, really nice nest egg. And then on top of that, I was, so I'm Haitian. So Haitian culture, we don't really move out of our parents' house. Like you're not going to move out and get an apartment. You're going to move out into a home or you're going to move out when you're married. Um, So I graduated college making six figures. I'm living at my parents' house. I'm not paying any bills. So what I did was um, all those years that I was staying at my parents' house, I was just stashing money away and I had built up a nice lump of cash. Um, another thing that I was doing in addition to that is, so I had my 401ks that I was investing in, um, but I also liked the idea of investing in companies. So I would buy like Amazon stock, Tesla stock, GM, General Motors stock, just random stocks I would buy. Um, and I would buy them, like I would invest a few hundred in stocks each month. And after several years, you build up quite a lot of money in stocks. So um, so I have this money and I'm on social media, right? It's COVID. There's nothing to do. You're on social media all day and you have all of these entrepreneur influencers coming out with these courses. And they're just like, take that money and do this and you can flip it and you can make, you know, you guys are worried about making 50,000 a year. You can make 50,000 a month. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so, that is too good to be true, which it was. Um, but at the time, it's COVID, probably was a little depressed. No, I had some anxiety. So I decided to make a terrible decision and take all of my money, all that money I had saved and put it into a trucking company. So that's how it happened. <laughs> Girl, you are not alone because my 401k is looking real crazy right now. Like, I, like <laughs> listen, and then, you know, they talking about student loans coming back. And I'm like, who? Like, I'm going to poor parents. Like, I... <laughs> Oh my god! I can't. No, I can't. I don't even. I don't even see the payment. I don't. Like, <laughs> I didn't fix it. Okay, right. So I definitely feel like you laid that out so well, and I think that so many. I know that I like as you were saying it. I was like, yes, like you know, the spend twenty thousand dollars on a course of money that you know you have, but you really don't have because this is that is this is money that was you know. That Same was for years. 
years that and you were giving away a month, you know? Yeah, because you had this like, okay, you're gonna take this and you're gonna flip it and twenty thousand a month. Look, sign me up. Look, look, while y'all sitting over there in your nine to five, you could be making money. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're right. I'm so broke. (laughs) Let me give you my money so you can show me. Girl, get in there and it's not even a full course. You're like, what? Did you Google this, ma'am? Yes. So I feel like a lot of people, a lot of job seekers specifically are going to feel you because I think a lot of people are there now, right? As bills are mounting, the economy is bad. Oh, gosh. I don't even want to say the economy. Let me not say the economy is bad because I we don't have an economist on here that might set me straight. But I feel like the economy is in a place where a lot of people are feeling that pressure, right? A lot mm-hmm. of businesses are reopening. I know a lot of people had to start repaying their mortgages. We, I mean, we are looking at times where people are like, okay, you know, all of these bills are coming back on, on me. Groceries have inflated. We're looking at, you know, things that are, that, you know, two years ago didn't cost $3 more. It Money's tight. And so I think that people are still in a place where they're feeling that pressure and I think it's important this episode was so important I don't want to go on a long diatribe but I feel like this episode was so important because I think that we don't talk about it enough so it's going to bring me that brings me into my next thought which is do you feel in hustle culture that finance becomes more important than work-life balance I 100% agree um, because I feel as if hustle culture is promoted in the Black community as being a means of escape, right? And it makes sense. And I feel like in a white household, they go to college, they get really good paying jobs, they get married, they're now in a two-income household, and they're living their American dream, right? One of the things that I noticed with hustle culture is that you had people that weren't in a good financial place that were having to literally hustle to make money. Like some of these people, I think that you have, it's very, first of all, let me really back it up. It's not normal to make six figures, right? I think that that is a lie, especially in Atlanta. I'm not sure um, where your audience is based out of, but one of the things that I want people to- We worldwide, we worldwide. Oh, period. (laughs) Well, that's, and look, that's an even bigger, that's an even- this will be even more felt, but this whole concept that everyone makes six figures is very unrealistic. The average person is making about the highest, they're lucky if they're making $65,000 a year, right? That is the average American income. And so- I don't even mean to, 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 to interject, but I think if I recall correctly, it was something along the lines of like a two-parent household in this, in in Atlanta is like an average of like sixty thousand dollars for. And this is a two this is a two-parent house. This is a two two-person household. Let me not to say two-parent two-person household is is that that's the average. And so you're absolutely right. Um, and I just kind of want to throw in that I believe that that is being oversold, even though oh, my business name is the Six Figure Career Club. I don't think that everybody is going to get to six figures. Not everyone has a skill set to get to six figures. Exactly. Exactly. I 100%, I 100% agree with that. But it really goes back to that hustle, hustle culture where it was, you had people really getting it out the mud. Like you had a lot of these people hustling to make money 
um, and promoting these very extravagant lifestyles as a means to get their followers to kind of buy into this lifestyle as well. Attention job seekers, are you ready to turn your career aspirations into a reality? Introducing the Six Figure Career Blueprint by the Six Figure Career Club. Embark on a game-changing seven-week journey with us that will redefine your career. Why go at it alone when you can join a supportive community dedicated to your success? Whether you're switching industries or just seeking a fresh start, our expert coaches will be with you every step of the way. Say goodbye to uncertainty and hello to a career that truly fulfills you. Are you ready to craft your career success story? Visit www.sixfigurecareerclub.com forward slash coaching to enroll in the Six Figure Career Blueprint. Your dream career is just one click away. Seize the opportunity because your future deserves nothing less than extraordinary. That entrepreneurship can give you. And what the reality is, is that entrepreneurship you're you're burnt out from your nine to five. There is no nine to five in entrepreneurship. It's 24 seven. Um, with my trucking company, right before we shut down, I used to work nights. I used to work during the daytime and at night. I would have to um, set an alarm and get up every few hours. Like I was literally taking cat naps um, in between dispatching my trucks. So I think that the very things that we were escaping with nine to five, like uncertainty, I have never faced as much uncertainty as I did with um a business, right? With a nine to five, you know you're getting your paycheck every two weeks on XYZ day. You're getting paid XYZ amount and it's gonna be deposited into XYZ bank that you provided them for that direct deposit. And if it's not, you can go call HR. Exactly. There's a way to get that rectified. With a business, you might not, you might be dipping into your personal funds, into your savings to pay employees. You may have to borrow money towards the end of my business. I had to borrow money from my mom. I had to call my mom one time, borrow $10,000 to be able to pay contractors. The money did not go to me. She literally let me borrow it. Next day, I um, dispersed it to different employees that I need. I had on payroll. So, I mean, it, I think hustle culture was promoted as a means of escaping nine to five. And what people don't realize is that with entrepreneurship, it is nine to five on steroids. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's no joke. And you're having to, you're having to go, going back to what I said of not everyone has a skill set. You're having to play every role in your business and you're having to understand how to play the game. Right. I think that people forget that there's like, yes, you're an entrepreneurship, but there's still rules that you have to follow and there's still a team that you have to build. And so there's still work to be done. Like, it's just, it's more work and you're doing everything. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. So I think that we definitely alluded to this earlier, but did hustle porn play a factor in driving your constant need for success? And hustle porn, I just want to go ahead and define, is where people use social media to, to display their work ethic and achievements to inspire or motivate others. I, uh, so, I mean, I think that's a loaded question because yes, I think social media nowadays 
like it's so bad. Okay, so I feel like back in the day, for you to flaunt wealth, you really had to have it, right? You couldn't just like post up in a fake house, right? You're gonna get arrested. If it was if with social media, you'll have influencers who is are like dead broke, but then they they're like, you know what? Like one of my brother's friends, he my brother was telling me one time that he would like post up in front of Lennox Mall, right? Which is a very affluent mall. Mm-hmm. Or it used to be in Atlanta. And when people were getting don't used to be it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But look, when people were getting out, like taking their luxury cars to valet, he would like hop in front of the cars and make it look like it was his car. So he was just always flexing on social media. And in reality, he's just a dead broke college kid, right? So that just shows you what you're able to fake on social media. But coming back to your question, I feel as if hustle porn. It's a loaded question because, yes, it did. But it really comes back to social media where you have these gurus and these these like these thought leaders and entrepreneurship and they're living this extravagant lifestyle. They're at the fanciest restaurants. They're wearing designer clothes um, and you want to be like them. So you decide to follow in their footsteps and hustle. So, yes, I agree 100 percent. That yeah, hustle. I think Hustleborn definitely played a role in me wanting to step into entrepreneurship. <laughs> um, for example, I would say that hustle porn to me is when an entrepreneur would say something like, Hey, working on this new course and you know, wanting to show you guys the behind the scenes, giving you guys a sneak peek of it. And then, you know, they're kind of telling us, you know, showing us that they're the product of the course, right? For example, mm-hmm. Airbnb. They would be like, hey, you know, I'm, you know, working on this course to show you how to earn your, you know, earn your leisure being an Airbnb, you know, host. Then on the other side, they would come back and show you that they had like five apartments that they were, you know, now the host of. When on the back end, they were illegally leasing a lot of these, you know, apartments and homes and things like that. But it 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 made me feel like I wasn't working hard and smart enough but see you even then you bring up okay so i don't know if you know this but do you know that a lot of people it's not that they were illegally leasing these they weren't they would go into lease agreements with these like apartments or houses and they wouldn't be paying rent are you like are you aware of that no so i was aware of them pretty much illegally subletting the apartment correct they were subletting but then on the flip side a lot of them weren't even paying the actual owner of the home for that Airbnb. So in your head, you're thinking, oh my God, they have five Airbnbs. No, this is a scammer who's taking advantage of people who are renting their houses. They're taking advantage of their landlord. And that's kind of why Airbnb has gotten like so stringent. But like Mm -hmm. that's what was happening on the flip side for a lot of these. And so I definitely think I definitely think, and I'm interested, right? I want I want the listeners to weigh in, right? Do you think that hustle porn plays a, a role in trying to motivate and inspire you to feel like you need to hustle more? Um, weigh in. I feel like a lot of times things are over romanticized. Oh my gosh, yes. And the idea of entrepreneurship definitely, for me, was over romanticized. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like when it comes to overcoming some of the pitfalls or some of the obstacles within the trucking industry, do you feel like some of those concepts were romanticized? Oh, my gosh. I feel like they were romanticized like a Disney 
movie and to the point where it's like, oh my goodness, I'll give you an example. So I've shut down my business. I shut my business down in April. My, when I tell you my life has been absolutely amazing since, yeah, it sucks to not be an entrepreneur. It gets a little boring, but I literally sleep at night now. There's no one, there's no random people calling me. Like a lot of people don't realize that when you go into some of these industries, you have to ab- abide by laws and legislations, right? Mm-hmm. So especially with trucking, you're not just dealing with, this is an 80,000 pound truck, okay? Like they break down. And when they break down, that truck driver is going to call you and they're going to ask you like, how do I make it start? Like, shit, I don't know. You're the truck driver. No, they're coming to you and they're expecting you to know exactly how to get that truck back running. Or I've had instances um, with trucking, you have to do an audit with the Department of the Transport, um, Department of Transportation. Every You have an initial audit that happens your first year in business. And then a lot of people don't know this because they're not in trucking, but your trucks can be pulled over at any time and they can be inspected. Um, so they're, if they're not well-maintained, if you're not keeping things in accordance with the Department of Transportation, you're getting inspections. And if you have an active load, like it can just wreak havoc, not mandating by these rules and regulations. And they're constantly changing. Um, Congress is constantly changing these rules and regulations. So you have to like abide by them. I didn't know that when I first started. I thought I'm just getting a truck and I'm about to make money. I didn't realize that like even the smallest things I would have to manage. Um, One of the reasons why I went out of business is because one of my contractors wasn't wearing PPE and I lost my biggest customer because of that. That is such a small detail that like, oh, you're going to get employees and you're a boss. No, you're going to be a boss and every single thing that your employees do, it really comes back to you. It doesn't matter how stupid their actions are. It it literally, all of it comes back to you. So I definitely agree that a lot of details of entrepreneurship or just the concept of it are romanticized. So you know that I like to get all in your business. So definitely share what you feel comfortable sharing. But do you mind giving us a little insight into the money that you were making running your trucking business? I definitely can. So keep in mind. So one of the biggest things to keep in mind is that I started my business um, in 2020. So this is at the this is during COVID. And the thing about COVID is that it really had the economy in like a tailspin. And it was a really good thing for for people in trucking. Essentially, everyone had COVID. people had COVID and there weren't enough truck drivers willing to drive. Everyone was at home. Y'all were getting y'all little, um, what were the, the stimulus checks? Y'all were getting y'all stimulus checks. People were on like, you remember those? I do. I do. They, had, they had random people on unemployment, like even Uber drivers or like gig workers could get unemployment. And what that resulted in is consumers having a lot of disposable income, Right inflation was super low at that time. So people are buying things. And as people are buying things, you need someone to deliver it. And that's where it became very, like, it was a very good time for trucking. So my first few months, um, my first few months in, I was making so much money. I started off with one truck. I was making so much money that I was able to cover the expense of two trucks, but I only had one truck running, right? Like so much. You might make you might make about three thousand, three thousand, four thousand after profits in a week. Ooh, yeah, that was, it was really. Excuse me, it was really nice. 
So, <laughs> really nice is an understatement, girl. Talking about really right job seekers, what would y'all do with an additional three to four thousand dollars disposable income weekly? Okay, but look, things got things went south very quickly because, like, okay, COVID starts to they come out with the vaccine, and that's a good thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel so bad for this. I feel so bad for this part of the story because I'm gonna sound so selfish, but it's just reality. <laughs> so, y'all, let me. So, let me really break it down. So, from like I just said, consumers are shopping. You need somebody to drop it off. There's not look these truck drivers. They getting sick. There's a truck driver shortage. So, if you do have a truck running, you're making money. On top of that. Um, I used to do port work. Oh my gosh. We used to do containers at the Savannah port. Same thing, right? Like you had all these containers that needed to be unloaded and dropped off. So we're making money. So vaccine comes out and there's a little shifty shift, right? There's a little shifty shift where people not, people are working, right? And then also inflation starts to creep in. And you know, what's so crazy is that as a business owner, I knew inflation was bad before consumers knew it was bad, right? Because my customers weren't shipping things. Um, we would go to the the container yard and there weren't any containers. Or I, we would drop off containers. Like I had this contract where we were dropping off containers for a major retailer, all right? This is a major retailer. They had their most successful revenue and profits during COVID. They were on the news, right? We're dropping off containers and they're not unloading them for months. Why are they not unloading them? Nobody's going to the store anymore, right? COVID is over. So people aren't investing in home goods. People aren't investing in home improvement projects. So these containers filled with home improvement supplies and lumber and nails and drills, they're not needing to unload it. Um, And we start to feel that effect in trucking. Things slow down drastically. So you go from making three to 4,000 in excess revenue a week and then other, it, it was just a shocking moment because it taught me about the economy in ways that I did not need to learn it, right? Another thing that happened is that um, diesel went up. You had Ukraine, this whole Ukraine um, and Russia invasion, that really did a number. Uh, China, the whole economic, the whole supply chain and China not being able to become, they kind of went out of commission. Like they were literally just shutting down whenever they would have a COVID spike. So if they're shutting down, they're not shipping anything to the United States. And if they're not shipping anything, my trucks have nothing to pick up from the port to deliver. So all of this happens at once. And we literally go to where we're breaking even. And it's like, okay, things are things are bad, right? And then at the, within a few months, we're in the negatives. You're having to dip into personal funds. And then the thing about being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur I feel as if all of entrepreneurs, we have like this optimism that's so beautiful but it's so negative at the same time so I just wouldn't give up right (laughs) so I remember I would just get on like there's this website called freight waves and they're like analysts for the trucking industry and they would have this show every Monday where they would forecast where the market is heading and every single week it would go down but they always be like oh it might go back up and that might it just kept me it kept me hooked I was addicted so I'm like okay I'm gonna hold out I'm gonna hold out I'm going to try this strategy. I'm going to try to get this contract and this. Um, And I pivoted so many times. So to answer your question, we made a ton of money, but then very quickly, we lost a lot of money as well. 
<laughs> Girl. And was that your breaking point? That still was not my breaking point, Julian. It was not. <laughs> I really do feel as if it's a certain personality that becomes an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't give up. So right. ev- everything that's so, okay, I, I believe in God. And I was talking to my friend a few weeks ago and I was like, <laughs> I was like, every weapon that came, I was like, you will not prosper. But what I should have done was quit, right? Like I should have done it a while ago. What I should have done was quit. I cannot. I'm like, I'll rebrand. I'll start cold. I'm going to start cold calling. I'm a cold call um, to customers. See if I can get a direct contract. I'm a cold call to these small businesses. See if they need trucks to deliver their goods. And the final thing that I did is I ended up getting a contract hauling um, frac sand out in Oklahoma. <laughs> I did that. And then I got a contract with FEMA. Um, that was the final pivot that I did. And that required a hefty investment. Um, and looking back, it was one of my biggest downfalls. I, sh- I should have just given up, but I decided not to. I ended up getting the FEMA contract, which is a huge deal. I ended up getting a contract in the oil field, which is major. Um, but yeah, that's when, and even then I didn't give up, right? I had to lose Basically, things went south because of an employee. I ended up using losing my biggest customer. And because of that, I had to go out of business. So, so at no point did I give up. I kind of was forced out of it. So it was very addicting. <laughs> <laughs> right. The fight is addicting. Right. And I think that's it. You little, It's the fight. It's the, it's the hustle. Like, yes, I'm going to get it out of the mud. Like, they're going to try to stop me. I will overcome this. Girl, I had too many affirmations. Okay, on my, on my mirror. <laughs> Ready for Baby, you. I hate affirmations now. You know that? Like, I no, you- <laughs> <laughs> do not make me Baby, some affirmations will, will keep you going when you need to shut it down. Okay. okay. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to post the affirmation on Monday morning. Don't even worry about it. I got you. Like, listen. All right, Rose. So we've talked about so much during this episode, and I'm so appreciative that you came and really brought a lot of knowledge to the table around the hustle culture era. My question to you, because last time we spoke, I think we had dinner a couple of months ago, and I asked you, I said, are you going to do it again? Right. After all of this, that fight in us that keeps us going made me want to ask you, all right, when we getting back up and trying again? And so I'll pose that question to you now. What keeps you from going at it again? Um, so I will say that initially when I dealing, closing a business is a very emotional process. And initially when I closed my business and after I had that first experience with entrepreneurship, my first thought is that I never want to do that again, right? Um, to me, it was a failure. I, I know a lot of people are like, well, failure teaches you things. Um, at the end of the day, it was still failure that I didn't want to experience. But now that I've coped those um, with those ideas, I've coped with those feelings and I've had time to heal and really get into my soft life era. Entrepreneurship is definitely something that I'm interested in doing again. Um, this time I would see it, I would go about it from the perspective of helping others versus going about it um, 
trying to make money and just trying to hustle. So I am actively brainstorming some ideas. Um, one of the, all the ideas that I'm creating and brainstorming, they all center around advocating and helping Black women. So we'll see where that leads to. Um, and I'm pretty excited to get my foot back in there again. I love that. And I know this may be a side note, but what's going to make the work ethic or the hustle different in this business? What's going to make you not I guess, attracted to that hustle culture in this role, in this next venture? So the, the biggest thing about hustle culture is that you're doing things for the, in the, with the thought process of just making money quickly. Um, and that's what I did with trucking. At the time, it was advertised as it's impossible to lose money. And when I was going into it, I didn't do full research on like the economic factors associated with trucking and how the economy um, could affect the trucking industry. So when I get into my next business venture, I'm going to be focused on helping others versus like, how will this business help others? How will it benefit society versus how can I make as much money as possible? Um, but I want it to be sustainable from that standpoint because I'm helping others and they're getting value that they're willing to pay for it. And I'm able to become profitable and successful because of that. I love it. So let's end the job seekers off. Can you give us your top three lessons learned from the entire experience? So one of the biggest lessons that I learned was that mental health is so important and it's 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 overlooked, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, especially in the black community. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, you are thrown a curveball every single day. Um, one of my most stressful experiences as an entrepreneur is when I won and con a contract, but in order for me to fulfill the contract, I had to realize I had to, I received the harsh realization that this contract, this customer was going to pay me a ton of money, but they were going to pay me once a month versus once a week. The reality is that people get paid every two weeks. They're not about to wait for you to get paid by your customer for you to be able to cut them a check. Um, and I would get thrown these curveballs every single day. And it really started to have an effect on my mental health um, because I was staying up late working. I wasn't really getting a lot of sleep. Um, I would work through lunch, work through dinner. So I wasn't eating healthy. I would stop. I would miss workouts because, hey, you know, instead of working out, let me just send this email out real quick. So physically, I wasn't at my best. Um, and that all had effects in a negative manner on my mental health. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned. Um, the second biggest lesson that I learned is to surround yourself with positive people. Again, you're throwing curveballs every single day. And a lot of times you want to give up. Having positive people surrounding you will make that experience a bit more, um, a bit easier to get through. And then finally, um, what I would realize with entrepreneurship is that people are dependent on you. Especially, it really depends on the type of business um, you're doing, how heavily dependent are you. But at the end of the day, you have these employees or contractors or assistants or people that you've hired to help you bring this idea to life and you're paying them. And that money that you're paying them, they're using it to pay their bills. They are relying on you to be able to fulfill their dreams um, and sustain themselves and their family. So that was another big lesson that I learned um, that I had to keep in mind as I made business decisions and navigated through the consequences of those decisions. So I would say those are the top three realizations that I had as an entrepreneur. Well, I surely enjoyed talking to you and recording this episode. And I hope that all the Dear Job Seekers out there enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Rose, let the people know, where can they find you? 
So you can find me on LinkedIn. So my first name is Rose, R-O-S-C, like the flower. And then my last name is Bella Flor, B-E-L-L-E-F-L-E-U-R. Let's connect. Let's network. I can't wait to meet y'all. Awesome. And with that, we are checking out with my favorite corporate homegirls. Say bye to the people, Rose. Bye. And there you have it, dear job seekers. A big thank you to Rose for sharing her incredible journey and insights with us today. Before we wrap up, let's recap our conversation. Number one, balance matters regardless of your career path. Remember the delicate dance between ambition and well-being. Strive for balance. Knowing that success is not just about professional and financial achievements, but also about personal fulfillment. Number two, learn from setbacks. Sometimes rejection definitely is protection. And we have to remember that even as we're chasing our goals, sometimes the door is closed and it's meant to stay closed. And when you do encounter setbacks, make sure you take notes. Lessons learned are important. It keeps you from repeating the same mistakes. Number three, be authentic. Your journey is unique and authenticity is your greatest asset. A lot of times you'll see people showcasing their work ethic, the things that motivate them. But make sure that as you embark on whatever journey, whether it's building your nine to five or looking for additional income, make sure you stay authentic and true to what you do. Question hustle culture. That's number four, right? Question the pull of constant, constantly being busy and the pressure to conform to always needing to make more money. Everyone's end goal is not a financial one. Before you embark on a journey, the one thing that I'll push and pose that you ask yourself is, does this pursuit align with my well-being? Does this pursuit come from within? Is this something I really want to build value? And number five, redefine success courageously. Take inspiration from Rose's courage to redefine success on her terms. As a job seeker, be brave enough to set your own benchmarks for success, considering not only personal achievements, but also professional achievements. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Dear Job Seeker. Your journey is a story in the making, and we hope these takeaways serve as a guiding light as you navigate the exciting path ahead.